Welcome to The Loop Podcast, where we are transforming education in plastic surgery since 2020. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Loop Podcast. Today's episode is a resident-guided in-service review of lymphedema. This is not meant to be a comprehensive review. It is a breakdown of key points from previous examinations that may help if you are studying for boards or for the in-service. I have here with me again, Dr. Gabriela garcia Norez, independent resident at Emory University. Hey, Gabby. Hi, how are you, Morgan? Happy to be here again. All right, this is a fairly short episode. Let's get to it. So how are you guys? Today, as uh, Morgan said, we'll be discussing a very quick topic, and that's lymphedema. So I know we don't really get very many questions on this subject in the in-service, but it's important to get as many questions right as possible. So here we go. Morgan, can you define lymphedema? Yes. So lymphedema is a disease of the lymphatic system. It is associated with pitinedema, inability to tint skin over toes, or otherwise called stemmer sign, blunted digits, orange skin, hyperkeratosis, and recurrent infections. So Gabby, how does lymphedema happen? Lymphedema happens either primary or secondarily. When it's called primary lymphedema, it's actually an abnormal collection of uh, protein-rich fluid, which is due to embryological lymphatic maldevelopment. When it's secondary, it's due to an acquired lymphatic obstruction, which most commonly in the States is due to lymphonectomy in the setting of cancer treatment. So what is the pathophysiology of lymphedema? The pathophysiology entails interstitial accumulation of protein-rich fluid, which ensues in subsequent inflammation, adipose hypertrophy, and fibrosis. The risk factors for these are trauma, history of radiation, lymph node dissection, family history, obesity, and remember, morbid obesity increases the risk of lymphedema five times. Also, venous insufficiency and malignancy. And also in developing countries, filariasis or Wisteria bancrofti. Okay, so we talked about primary and secondary lymphedema. Let's now define the different types of primary lymphedema just because that seems to be a very recurrent question on the in-service. First, we have congenital lymphedema, which is otherwise known as Milroy disease, which happens in kids less than 10 months of age. It's asymmetric. It's associated to VEGFR3G mutation. Then we have lymphedema precox, which is bilateral, happens in adolescents and teens. And it's the most common form of primary lymphedema. Within that category, we have MAGE disease, which is an autosomal dominant form of lymphedema. And it's the most common hereditary form of lymphedema. And finally, we have lymphedema tarda, which is late lymphedema as it presents in adulthood. So these, I have to find a way to remember them because this is just hard for me and it's pure memorization. So congenital is easy until they just call it Milroy on the in-service exam. So I'm going to remember this by thinking little boy Roy or Milroy. So this is always in babies or congenital. So for precox, I think P, precox for puberty, and to also remember MIG disease, think Meg, so like Meg from Family Guy. So she's a teenager, and something always bad happens to Meg on that show. So I can see this being a storyline. So remember, Meg has lymphedema or MIG disease. And Tarda, that one's a little bit easier. So just think obviously late, like later in adulthood, Tarda. Now let's talk about treatment. 
So the most important thing to know is the first line of treatment is conservative. You will often see the term compressive decongestive therapy. This consists of skin care, manual lymphatic drainage, and compression therapy. For compression, it starts at 20 millimeters of mercury and can be a sleeve, wrapping, or pneumatic pumps. Also important is exercise, elevation, weight loss, and again, lymphatic massages. If all that is not working or the disease is more advanced, then there are several treatment modalities. Gabby, can you discuss this further? Sure. There's two big categories, debulking procedures and physiologic procedures that are used to treat lymphedema. And depending on the pathology, you will choose one or another. When you have a patient that presents to your office with more adipose deposition and fibrosis and very little edema, then that patient will probably benefit from either liposuction or a staged subcutaneous and skin excision, otherwise misnamed Charles procedure. Just remember, these are patients that are not being treated for the etiology of the disease, therefore their lymphedema will recur in the future. The physiologic procedures are otherwise known as lymphovenous bypass and vascularized lymph node transfer. These are useful in patients with milder degrees of lymphedema where they're mainly lymphatic dysfunction as well as edema, but very little fibrodeposit deposition. The difference between these two for the in-service, the vascularized lymph node transfer can result in donor site lymphedema. So Morgan, can you quickly go through the donor sites for the uh, vascularized lymph node transfer and then maybe also review the workup? Yes. So first we have the groin lymph node the supraclavicular lymph node, the cemental lymph node, and the omentum, which seems to be the most popular. Although it is a little more in-depth for what you need to know for the in-service, we have included a table for you to view for this episode on our YouTube channel. This breaks down all the donor sites with pros and cons of each. Also included is an algorithm for lymphovenous bypass anastomosis techniques. If you would like to learn more, you can find this in a really great paper in the PRS article, Surgical Treatment of Lymphedema. Okay. And in terms of workup for lymphedema, physical exam is naturally the first step, but the gold standard is lymphocentigraphy. Moving on to another related topic we should mention is lymphatic malformations. This is a different entity. So lymphatic malformations are present at birth. They are benign masses of abnormal lymphatic vessels. Historically, these were classified as macro or microcystic and termed, for example, cystic hygroma in the head and neck region. They fluctuate in size, are soft and rubbery, and are associated with recurrent bouts of infection. The first-line treatment is sclerotherapy. This is very important, and it is always a question on the in-service, so remember this now. First line is sclerotherapy, and then followed by direct surgical excision or debulking if the patient has failed sclerotherapy. Thank you guys for joining us today for this quick and easy review on lymphedema. We hope this helps. Yes, thanks everyone. If you like our podcast, please spread the word, tell a friend, like us on Facebook, watch this on YouTube, and follow us on Instagram at The Loop Podcast to get in the loop. 